to little Amy, who was about eight years old. He said to Amy, Amy, God has been good, isn't he? Without a beat, Amy replied and nodded her head. And she said, no, God hasn't been good. <laughs> you could see the pastor dropped. <laughs> and the pastor asked Amy, Amy, what's going on? And to this, Amy replied, God hasn't been good. God has been brilliant because he gave me all I asked him for on my birthday. Well, for some of us, we may not have got all we've asked God for good. God is good all the time, as some people say. But even better for Amy, God has been brilliant. You see, life may not always be good, but God is good all the time. And some people say all the time, God is against the backdrop of hardship and danger. His familiar words to us, he said, Surely the goodness and the mercies of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord will follow us not just on the days when we are good, not just on the righteous, not just on the days when everything is going well, but all the days of our lives. No wonder the psalmist invites us in Psalm 34 verse 8 to come and taste the sweetness and the goodness of God. There's no other way, no other way to know how but to experience him and experience his goodness. At the beginning of the passage, we know that the crowds in John chapter 6 had seen and they've experienced Jesus. They've tasted the bread provided by Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000 earlier on in that passage. And now they wanted some more, some more of this goodness, some more of this bread. Well, searching for Jesus is a good thing, isn't it? Albeit, in this case, they were searching for Jesus for all the wrong reasons, as John Wesley puts it in his notes on the Bible that was edited by Roger Sconhenhill, for the provision and not for the provider. They came for the healing and not for the healer. They came for the... Yet Jesus welcomed them all. And Jesus met them at the point of their needs. Hungry people in search of food. Our good God meets us at the point of our individual needs. And from there, he guides us into that place of Christian maturity. John told us in that passage that God, God was there to meet the people where they were. Yet the crowds came for physical bread. But at the end of that encounter with Jesus, in that passage, they were asked. As John told us, the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't around. They looked for him everywhere they couldn't find. jumped on the boats to go to Capernaum to look for Jesus. In search of Jesus, as they seek Jesus, they took risk, risk of jumping into boats, in search of free food, in search of a better life, in search of life with abundance. The onset of our Christian history, hunger, starvation, and famine has driven people to take risk, to live known for the unknown, to live, to look, and to search for bread. Because of famine and hunger, we are told that Abraham, our founding father of faith, was for the unknown. We also remember that beautiful story of Naomi and her family in the book of Ruth. I mean, forced them to move into a foreign land in search of food. From time we see on our television screen, people fleeing their countries in search of bread and in search of a better life. People taking risks. On, rough, on this rough Mediterranean with little or no safety equipment on board, all in search of bread, in search of a so-called better life in Europe, 
a so-called better life in the UK, a so-called better life elsewhere. And in the process, lives are lost. The body, boys and girls, washed up on seashores, all in search of food, seeking bread. Free food may not mean much for us here in this rich, prosperous country because we all have enough. But I know a place where if you give free food and you give free drinks, people will start looking for you. You become so popular and there was people need it and they don't have it. And in the days of Jesus, people who were falling on hard times had no welfare system. They had nowhere to fall back on. No affordable health care system that will look after the sick and care for them. So news of a provider in town, a healer in town, drew the crowds from east, from west, from north and the south to come. Service is good and the service is free of charge. For us here, as I mentioned earlier, we will certainly, certainly not jump into a boat to go look for free food. In fact, we'll be suspicious if someone is giving out free food because most of us have gone to drink. But yet in this land of plenty, yet in this land of milk and honey, there is hunger. People are hungry. We lack something. We are still malnourished. We have everything, yet something is missing to complete of our inner satisfaction. Something is missing, and yet we cannot put our finger to what is hungry soul of ours, even in a land of plenty. It was Bernard Levin, a British journalist, who wrote these words many years. He said, we are a society with all material comfort and blessings, but yet we are hungry. He went on to say, no matter no matter drinks and motor cars and expensive toys uh, we feed our hungry souls with, that hunger is still there. We're often convinced that we can feel this hunger ourselves. If I just go on a nice holiday and come back, I'll be fine, I'll be okay. And we go on holiday and a few days we ask ourselves, what next? We say, oh, if I just get this job, this dream, they'll be fine. I'll be so okay and so satisfied. We get the job, and after a month, two, or a year, we sit there, what next? There is always that craving for what comes, what comes next. And that hunger still goes on and on and on, as I speak. Recently, the world's richest man, Jeff Bezos, Founder of the world's largest retailer, Amazon, went on a short trip to space, and on his return, he came to our television screen to thank the public, to thank you and me for paying to space. Because in our quest for this inner satisfaction, in our quest to satisfy hunger, we keep on buying things from time to time that we don't need with money that we don't have, all for the wrong reasons. And so we ask the crowd, we are seeking Jesus. We are desperate to know what will satisfy this hunger, this thirst that the material world and the material things cannot satisfy. So they came to Jesus. They said to Jesus, Jesus, what must we do? What must we do to perform the work of God? Because perhaps in performing the work of God, uh, this inner thirst, this will be satisfied. They were expecting a very long uh, to do list, follow. Reverend Tony Miles have left for Dick and Ali and I to follow. 
all of <laughs> But they were disappointed. They were expecting this long set of rules, places to go, stones to touch, sacrifices to make. But Jesus gave them none of that. Rather, Jesus said, the work of being the one that God has sent. The work of God for you and me is to have a relationship with God. The work of God for you and me is to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. It is to accept Jesus and to surrender our lives to him. Become a discipline Jesus, not for the material bread that will perish. It's eternal life. Zoe, the good life, the better life, a life of peace and deep inner satisfaction in spite of what we are going through. And I am that bread of life, Jesus said to them. At this point, the crowd saying, so they threw Jesus a change. They said, show us a sign, show us something so that we might believe you. They requested for a miracle, something supernatural to substantiate the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. They said to him, Moses gave our ancestors bread in the wilderness. What miracle, what can you give to us? We need something supernatural so we can believe. It was challenged and corrected their slightly inaccurate theological reflection on the manna in the wilderness. Moses did not give you the bread or the manna from heaven. My father gave you that bread. Like the crowds, the crowds did accredited this. And like them at times, we are quick. We are quick to take our eyes off the real source of our blessing. And Brother James tells us then that all good and perfect gifts, they come from above Think of that wonderful gift that you have. That sole thing that you have got, it came from God. But Brother James told us that in James, I'm the bread of life. That's what Jesus said to them. That came from above. I am the bread that came from heaven. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When the crowd who started seeking Jesus for realized who Jesus was, they said to Jesus, Please, sir, give us this bread. Give us this bread always. It's amazing to see how they had come from a crowd with a wrong motive to a crowd wanting Christ in the wilderness of lockdown that we have been through. In the wilderness of been through in the past 18, 20 months. God has been good not because he has given us our daily bread but because he's become our daily bread. He's become our provider. He's become our comforter. He's become our companion, offering himself as a reservoir, clean drinking water of life for us to come and freely quench our thirst. He has become our food bank, a food bank where we have been a recipient of his grace, been a recipient of his love, a recipient of his and his friendship, he has been our all-we-can-eat buffet. We have fed We have been refreshed in him. We have been energized in him. We have been nourished by his love. Life may not always be good, but the good Lord is in the mess of life with us. This morning, when we think about what we have been through, and how he has journeyed with us, we can say, though life is tough, God has been good. Even better, like we can say, God has been brilliant. 
And so now, tasted God's goodness. Go and share it with others. And those who are yet to taste his goodness, he now invites us to come. Come to the gospel feast of his goodness. Will you come? Amen.